And now, live from Studio One in Castlebar, it's the Jack McDonald Show. Bad news. Bad news. Uh, I don't. Bad news. Is that a? That's not a great way to start a show, is it? Ah, fuck it. Anyway, bad news, folks. Great to be back. Not the bad news. You you are listening to the Jack McDonald Show with myself, Jack McDonald. Not the bad news. And you can, if you would like, subscribe to the Jack McDonald Show across all good podcast platforms and on YouTube. Maybe even leave us a review. Not the bad news. Obviously, I've been gone for the last uh, few weeks, uh, exploring the world, living my life, but I was, to be honest, it's uh, kind of nagging, I had this nagging feeling, and I was feeling quite bad about not being reliable, consistent, 24-7 behind the microphone, because to be honest with you, I had thought I'd do a couple of these a week, and not not a couple of these um, every few months, so... Um, in, in that vein, I saw a story pop up and I thought that guy would be perfect for an interview. It'll be a great way to get back. That would be perfect. So his name was Phil and Phil was interesting because Phil had got a Marty Whelan tattoo on his leg. And so I figured, God, Phil, you're perfect. You're great. I mean, you know, obviously uh, not, not the Marty Whelan tattoo, but because you have a Marty Whelan tattoo, you are a perfect subject for an interview. So I shot uh, Phil a little message, typed it up, sent it off. Uh, next day, I didn't hear anything. Uh, two days passed by, still haven't heard from Phil. So bad news, folks. Phil, the Marty Whelan tattoo guy, is not on our screens today. I don't know, maybe I'll hear back from him. To be honest with you, the guy that would get a Marty Whelan tattoo is probably not going to be the most reliable for an interview. Anyway, I digress. It's great to be back. That's true. That's truly, genuinely, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I love doing this program and I don't do it half enough. I didn't think I'd ever do it again. Um, a, a couple of days ago, I was on holidays in Liverpool. Just a quick break, kind of a spur of the moment thing. I had a few days off from work, so I figured, fuck it, we'll jet over to Liverpool. Myself and a friend went over and... Um, uh, my friend Cahill, you've met him before, in Headcase, decided that we would ride electric scooters. I was initially a, a little bit, um, a little bit afraid, to be honest, of driving these things because you have to drive them on the road. They basically ban them from from most of the footpaths, and you, you know this is a city, this is Liverpool city, and you're riding around this uh, this. Basically, it's basically a motorbike without the support of a motorbike, zipping it around. Cahill is bombing it, doing 120 down, uh, you know, the, the main city roads, like three, four lanes, and, and the corner you've got Cahill bombing it through. Um, and, and at one point, I almost, well, I did fall off, actually. I was fine. And then we went karting, and given the, last, given the fact that the last time I went karting was at the Michael Schumacher track in Germany, I, I did one lap in that track. I actually didn't, I did half a lap and I smashed into the side of a barrier, ended up in a German hospital for three days, escorted down the autobahn. So yeah, um, I wasn't sure if I'd survive, but I did. And given the fact that I have been given, in essence, the kiss of life once again, we're back making the program and it is an honor and a pleasure to do so. Now, in a few moments time, we're going to be talking to Kyle Duffy. Kyle, if you remember, we set him off last we spoke to go and watch Genius. And he said that I had to watch Swiss Army Man, a Daniel Radcliffe film. I'm going to tell you now, I hated the bloody thing. It was stupid from start to finish. 
but I'll um, I'll let Kyle know in just a little while. In terms of the news, okay, Phil, the Marty Whelan tattoo guy, may have let us down, but the news media for once has not. First story. Brit who tried to kick out windows on Virgin Atlantic flight tackled by US Marines. I mean, self-explanatory, isn't it? Don't kick out the windows, Mark. Don't kick out the bloody windows. <laughs> it, like, some of these people, you would wonder, obviously, you'd imagine drink would have to have been a factor here. Apparently, William Hayes, 39, was arrested by police after allegedly forcing the plane to land two hours early in Salt, Salt Lake City. But, like, surely he knew that, obviously, if you tried to kick out the windows, that would probably upset the staff. I mean, even if he was on Ryanair, they wouldn't be too happy. And this is Virgin Atlantic. They're a fairly upmarket uh, airline. And this, from what the sounds of it is, it's a, it's a transatlantic flight. So, of course, there's going to be some pretty interested uh, customers, especially when you decide to kick out the windows. Police said Hayes got upset mid-flight and after several attempts by the flight crew to maintain order, he became violent. Crew and passengers intervened and restrained Hayes. I mean, how upset could he have got? Was he watching uh, the Liverpool Aston Villa, uh, <laughs> Liverpool Aston Villa um, situation that uh, unfolded? Perhaps that's what happened. I don't know, but uh, yeah, to me at least, I, I personally, as a rule of flight, and I was just actually on a flight, um, I don't try and kick out the windows. But that's just me. That's just what I do anyway. Uh, then, of course, you had Mr. Beast in the news. You know, Mr. Beast, the lovely family-friendly guy. Every, everybody gets around, gets on with him. He's kind of your friend-next-door type of character. Well, he's in the news because he has gone and offended people. Would you imagine this? People all over the internet are attempting to cancel Mr. Beast for his new YouTube video. The video titled 100 Girls vs. 100 Boys for $500,000 has now reached 25 million views where they need to compete against each other and remain in the red circle for as long as possible. Seems pretty normal, right? Well, people are mad that he didn't include non-binary people, trans women, and trans men. What do you guys think? Is this really what people have time for? This guy, he is the least thing from uh, problematic, all these terms people like to throw around like they're a deck of cards. He is the least from any of those definitions. But because he did a video, uh, you know, guys versus girls in some capacity, I didn't see it. But because he does a video like that, people are now annoyed that he didn't include non-binary people, trans people, rabbits, geese, gazelles. Like, at a certain point, you know, could could uh, could those out there who uh, are pissed off about this, could they not create their own video? Uh, Non-binary people versus trans men or whatever. Like, you know, he picked two generally broad definitions and decided to pit them against each other, as society has done for hundreds, if not thousands of years, um, in a fairly lighthearted capacity. The guy gives to charity, he's a lovely bloke, but because he decided to make the awful error of putting men and women in some capacity together without deciding to dissect every single slice of the pie, he is Satan on earth. I just think it is phenomenal. And, you know, it's the reason why you have people like Andrew Tate and 
and uh, Trump and all of these kind of larger than life characters who lambast then the other side who, you know, get really cross at the trans people or, or etc. It's because they're picking an issue. They're picking a fight with Mr. Beast. And by the way, if you're going to pick a fight with somebody, don't pick it with Mr. Beast. That's just lazy. That guy couldn't couldn't fight a five-year-old, let alone um, whatever mob is coming after him. It's lazy. Anyway, that's uh, Mr. Beast getting into a bit of hot water. I'll tell you who else got into a bit of hot water is uh, Simple Simon because GP's coming after him. Greg Paul, the larger-than-life character who f- somehow... Uh, uh, shepherded Logan Paul and Jake Paul through their uh, formative years, their adolescence, um, and ultimately, um, I, I believe now he's basically living off the wealth of those two. But he is, of course, their dad. He has decided to call out Simple Simon, a man who two months ago, a man who two months ago was regarded by a lot of the UK as a paedophile. But now there's this kind of cult of personality around Simple Simon and apparently Simon's a good bloke. But here, here is Greg Paul calling out Simple Simon. Hey, folks, it's GP coming at you. So- GP, GP coming at you. It's his, that's his little catchphrase, GP coming at you. So there's some dumbass from the UK, his name's Simple Simon, call me out. Is he not a bit old to be going, there's some dumbass calling me out? What what age, what age are you, Greg Paul? Let's let's have actually have a look at this. What age is Greg Paul? I would be surprised if it's under fifty five. Anybody taking bets? Greg Paul age fifty eight. Yeah, so he's he's almost sixty and he's still squaring up. Most sixty year old men in Ireland are having a quiet cup of tea before uh, a cut of 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 silage. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, America is a different place. America is a very different place. Send me the contract so you can quit your fucking lying. And your daughter cannot be in the arena because I don't want her to see you get the fuck beat out of you. That took a real turn, didn't it? Oh, yeah, we'll fight, burn knuckle. Yeah, I'm a great man. Your daughter can't be there because I will kill you. (laughs) Yeah, um, sometimes I definitely think Americans take themselves quite seriously. They, They are... You know, some of them can be lovely, but they're not all Ross from Friends, and I'm I'm starting to learn that. Finally, a Belfast Book Awards has landed in a bit of bother for the for just for just the most bizarre reason. I mean, to be honest, when you're putting these kind of uh, you know running order together, and you're thinking about what stories you'll talk about. You try and stay away from anything contentious to do with the North. You just don't want to touch it. I don't want a guy in a balaclava showing up at my door with an AK-47. That's not how I want to start my Saturday. Just, I don't want to go near it. But this, I think, has every side of the the aisle um, kind of thinking the same way because it is just a bit ridiculous. So this is uh, Belfast Books. Uh, and they decided to make an announcement online. Of course you'd make an an announcement. For those asking why we're not listed on the Unpost Irish Bookshop Awards, who the hell is asking that? Who is going, hey, why are you not on the Unpost Book Awards? You know, I I was going to support you, but you're not on the Unpost. Who cares? I mean, who the fuck is surveying it? Now, to be fair... There probably is one or two, maybe there's one or two, but it doesn't really warrant 
uh, firing up Twitter, getting the PR team involved for this statement. Anyway, it continues. For those asking why we're not listed on the Unpost um, Irish Bookshop Awards, it's because we don't identify as Irish. In addition, Unpost is state-owned and part of the same Irish state that trained, financed, armed and gave support to Irish Republican terrorists. So, listen, I, uh, Bel- Belfast Books, they're not they're not any way associated with the Unpost Bookshop Awards, and I think they've made that very clear. Now, I think for Unpost, they're probably delighted because nobody knew about these awards until now. And, you know, free marketing, exactly. Well, that's it in the news. I, you know what? I'm going to give the news a 6.5 out of 10. I, I, I'll be honest. I thought it was better. I spent a few days compiling it. You never know how the news is going to go. You just don't. Anyway, it's time to check in with Kyle Duffy. Kyle, our resident TV and film man. Let's see what Kyle thought of my suggestions. Well, Kyle, all I have to say for you and it's epitomized in a sound clip, is... Strike two! I don't know what okay. you're thinking with that film. It okay, was... fair enough, fair enough. Atrocious, to be honest with you. Atro- okay, I'm starting to question your taste in movies. My mental now. competence. Uh, I, I, I'm starting to question... To be honest um, with you, for, for the 12 minutes uh, of this opening film, uh, of the opening of the film... I was questioning your competence and your sanity, okay, to be honest with you, because enough. you have Paul Dano riding uh, Daniel Radcliffe as a jet ski through the yeah. power and propulsion of farts. And I'm going like, there's real Hollywood money put behind this. Real cinematographers actually yeah. shot this and edited it and released it. And Kyle, you're not the only one who is a massive fan of this. It's a cult film, from what I can see. Yeah. It has a huge following. For for people mm. who who've maybe forgot about it and, and weren't uh, as invested in the story or perhaps weren't paying attention last week, of course, what we're talking about is Swiss Army Man, where a hopeless man gets stranded on a desert island. He's about to take his own life, and he befriends a dead body. Do you see why yes. I'm not particularly a fan of this film? And together I can they go on a surreal if, journey to get home. If I can just defend my pick here for a minute. Like you said, there's many people who love this film, as do I. And it's not because, you know, it's a dead body and there's farts involved. I think this is a great film looking at the human psyche and loneliness and what we'll do in dire situations. Obviously, befriending a dead body, the reality of that is um, it's not something you can buy into. But I think this movie is a great look at mental health and what we do uh, at our lowest depths in terms of reaching out to something or someone to kind of keep us from going over the edge. Like you said, in the opening of this film, Paul Dano's character is complimenting, uh, contemplating suicide. And actually is about in the process of doing it when he discovers the dead body. And it's obviously all in his imagination that this but this this dead body is speaking back to him. And in times during the movie, I found Daniel Radcliffe, it let's face it, the absurdity of it lends to the comedy at times, but there's monologues and there's scenes from Paul Dano in this movie that just are riveting to me and very it's great acting it's great acting all around um obviously the premise is something 
you have to not buy into too much and kind of look for the layers behind what's happening. Obviously, with this movie, that's a big component. But I thought the mental health uh, side to this was um, a great story because obviously um, Paul Dano's character is going through something in this movie and befriending a dead body is something that no normal person would do. But his character at the start of the movie is trying to cling on to something that will get him back to his normal life. And befriending this dead body played by Daniel Radcliffe does that. And he works out some of it, some of his issues through that. I don't know if you were able to watch the whole movie. No, I wasn't, um, Kyle, to be honest with you. And well, that's, well, that's I'm not a, a problem, ne- too. I, you know, that's a problem, too. You can't write off a movie. I, I, I read... I read so what I did, Kyle, I, it took me basically three sittings to get through the first 12 minutes. And then I was watching 30-second chunks and skipping it this morning because it was just so difficult to get through. I mean, this was a film, in my opinion, created for the sole target audience of necrophiliacs. If I wanted to watch somebody drag a dead body around, I'd go to French (laughs) Park for an hour. It's, It's ridiculous, in my opinion. Now... I get the I get the symbolism and all those points, and it's yeah. why I went to the bother of watching some uh, like some some explainer videos, and I watched a few different people review it. I also read a lot of reviews online. Now, Kyle, I'll be completely honest with you. I always hate when people about anything, what be it in the news or whatever, they say, "Oh, did you see that story or that sound clip?" And you ask them if they've watched the full piece. And generally mm. they haven't or, you know, someone gets outraged at a comedy special, but they haven't watched the full hour thing. They've yeah. watched a 15 second clip. So I completely accept, as in many cases, Kyle, Good. I am not Good. authorized necessarily to talk about this film in its entirety. But what I can say is you're going to have trouble to engage audiences. And to to my mind, there's no reason like there's no reason why uh, six years on this film, you can see why there's no massive fanfare. There is a, a cult following, yeah. yes, but there is a reason why when you put Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano on quite an esteemed cast in this film with this script, you end up with, my, with in my opinion, jack shit. And the reviews would oftentimes back it up. Now, it's Rotten Tomatoes, so who knows how much credence you would... Uh, lent to some of those but you have mm. for example Wendy Ide saying incredible and not in a good way um, two fine actors giving full blooded performances can't prevent Swiss army man from seeming pretentious and self-indulgent you have to hand it to Daniel Radcliffe for uh, willing to try anything for his art but playing a fart powered corpse in Swiss army man was perhaps a step too far those are yeah, the opinions of myself and some of the finest journalists in the country. I do agree that going the movie does go over the top at some t- um, and in stages, and uh, certain scenes in the movie don't need to be in there. But when you look at the conversations that are had and the, the issues that are worked through by Paul Dano's character, there is some heart to this movie. Uh, I can understand why it hasn't stood the test of time. Certain movies don't but overall i didn't want to give you give you movies to watch that are home runs popcorn flicks yeah like because i think everyone has a general consensus of what's a great movie and what the classics are and 
trust me, we'll get to those eventually. But I wanted to. I want. <laughs> I'll be I, I don't. Two years old, oh, yeah. and you'll finally <laughs> recommend something by Scorsese listen, or a mainstream listen. director. Listen, you have a long way to go to eighty two, so I have a bunch of films to back that up. Um, no, but I I could have lined up soft softball hits for you and given you movies that are worldwide general consensus great movies, but really. Well, I accept I want that. You, I, I would be a little yeah. concerned if you yeah. went, uh, you know, Will Smith because anyone, and, and you just went through that. his catalogue or you went Tom yeah. Cruise and you went, you know, Mission yeah. Impossible 6. I would kind of go, yeah. I'd pull you aside and I'd say, Kyle, maybe that's not the, the tone yeah. of this. Again, because anyone so can I, do I will that. accept anyone and I will say that. to anybody perhaps listening to myself and Kyle go back and forth on this one. Give it a watch. See what you think. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, all films and all art is scratching a certain part of your brain. And sometimes it hits it. Sometimes mm. it doesn't. For me, it didn't. Uh, I've got to yeah, say, I was a little why. underwhelmed because I saw the A24 um, artwork at the beginning. Uh, it's, a, it's an art house kind of studio that I've seen in Uncut Gems and a few other films that I, I really enjoyed. So I was hoping it would be um, on, that, on that stead. To me, the separation and constant separation from reality is just a, is just one step too far. Now it does do yeah. the Fight Club stuff a little bit, you know, where it's it's not uh, completely contingent on reality, but for the purpose of being very realistic. That somebody, ha- you know, their reality is too tough. That's why we see Paul Dano's character trying to hang himself at the start. So they kind of create this mythological. Fan, you know, fantastical world in mm-hmm. order to understand the dark reality, uh, but they use incredibility to do it. So it's basically a tool at that point. So I take yeah. all those points, but for me, again, I couldn't even venture to give it a review. All I can say is strike two. Anyway, That's fair enough. Moving on and to genius. Yeah, uh, genius. Genius um, is, of course, the film. Or sorry, the the documentary series I recommended for you to watch. Mm. And to me, it is an absolute smash. It is a home run. It is out of the park. It is incredible. It is the story of Kanye West. Uh, released just this year, it follows the life of Kanye West in an intimate portrayal as he builds his way from singer to businessman and becomes a global brand. We see Kanye first in 1998 when he is nothing um, and as he struggles and tries to, uh, you know, graft and grind his way through the music industry, he claws his way up to the very top and you've got this intimate portrayal by the filmmaker Cuddy and in my opinion, it is such a breath of fresh air in terms of a, a music documentary, and I'm very interested to know, Kyle, what did you make of it? Yeah, I got a chance to sit down and watch all three episodes um, at certain stages during the week. Uh, overall, I thought it was an in-depth documentary, you know, like you said, filmed over 20-year-plus span. You see Kanye West at his lowest points, his highest points. You also see the inner workings of the music industry and it is very much about who you know and who you're able to convince of your talent. And I learned things in this documentary I didn't know about Kanye West. You know, everyone knows about his infamous rise to fame, but they don't know that maybe, they don't know that he was a great producer and because he was such a talented producer, he wasn't taken seriously as a rapper. Uh, because people weren't crossing that boundary and going into both 
um, camps and saying I can do this, but uh, but I can also do this. Um, and I think uh, the documentary captured that very well. Overall, I was just impressed with his work ethic, and I think that's one thing anyone who watches this documentary has to admit. Kanye West, even though he's admiss, uh, he's in a lot of different um, media outlets and at mo- at this moment of time he's going through a bad spell with his mental health he has a work ethic and a drive that I don't think anyone had seen in the music industry before him uh, I did at times turn off dur- and switch off during that's this interesting at, at no point to be honest as, at least well if we break it up so there's three episodes and I think that's important yeah. and uh, basically the first two are really good portrayals um, and they're kind of real time and you're seeing Kanye go from essentially nothing to this producer and then eventually he manages to cross that chasm and become a superstar rapper. Then there's this kind of massive break between episodes two and three uh, where Cuddy, the filmmaker, isn't really around Kanye and, and life becomes a bit crazy. So if we take it with the first episode, what what did what did you feel about the first one? The first episode, you're getting the nitty gritty stuff. It was very interesting, and it was really great to see the person behind the mirage that is Kanye West and how he was before he hit fame. And I think he had overconfidence before he hit fame, and I just think he just turned the dial up to a hundred as a persona for the media once he got um, notoriety and uh, one thing I found really interesting about the second episode I think it was at the start of the second episode uh, Cuddy the producer and Kanye's friend during uh, during that time said that he he wanted to release the footage but Kanye stopped him because he said well no I'm acting in mm. this way and I don't want anyone to see the real me because I'm only starting to hit my height of fame so I think anyone who is a bit unsure about the actual personality that Kanye West has and who he is as a person this documentary does a good job of putting that across and separating out what's what's put together for the media outlets what's um, a fake persona and who he actually is underneath all the bravado that's, yeah, that's a brilliant point, Kyle, because even as we sit today and both of us are putting ourselves out there fair enough to a smaller audience than Kanye, mm. but the people at home don't see every dimension. The You no. know, my dog doesn't see every dimension of myself, nor does my mother or my father or whoever. Yeah. So, you know, but somehow then with these public people, we have this kind of universal image of them and everybody thinks they know Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, yeah, Elon exactly. Musk, these names traded around Conor McGregor. But in reality, how would you ever know that person? You haven't spent a minute with them, let alone yeah. a year or 10 years or a lifetime. And at least in this documentary, you get to see Kanye from other angles. And I mean that both literally and figuratively. You know, it's very rare that you even see, say see the side of somebody's head in the media unless they want you to. They've called mm. the paparazzi and told you, uh, you know, what angles to, to film and what angles not. So to see Kanye when he's quiet, when he's not putting it on for the cameras. I thought especially the sequences with his mother were just out of this world because 
it's like seeing Da Vinci or Van Gogh or somebody of that ilk with their most guiding influence. And I think unquestionably, his mother seems to have been that that guiding influence throughout his life. Yeah, I think his mother was a big driving force behind keeping him grounded. He did have people around him who did that for him at times, but his mother was his biggest influence, like you mentioned, as well as that giving back to his community. They had a charity foundation um, before she died. Um, they would run it together, and you could see that Kanye West was very influenced by his mother and had a great friendship and kind of gained a lot of his confidence that he had from the encouragement his mother would give him about his rap career. And really, with that first clip, I think you have a say you have a slide up there and that's of them having a conversation in the in his mother's kitchen and really he talks to his mother like a friend before an actual Mm. uh, parental figure and i think that's what she did very well with him she was his friend as well as his parent and that's how he knew he could only go to her and could trust in what she was telling him because she was wearing two hats whenever yes, she and was of course, with him. She was an English college professor is the other part of her life. So, you know, when you analyze the lyrics of Kanye and he's quite open about having ghostwriters and other help in terms of his yeah. lyrics, but certainly he has a, a kind of an uncharacteristic grasp of certain elements of the English language. He does use slang and, and other, say, street terms, but his use of a kind of almost Shakespearean type language uh, in, in rap, especially is what kind of uh, brought him away from your gangster rap. And it's what made him fight so hard or made him have to fight so hard at the beginning. But it's what makes him this effervescent character amongst rap. And I think, you know, you even seen in that clip, the slide of which we have up, it's when I think when she starts rapping his own song, you know, she 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 says, Kanye, I love that song yeah. you do. And she starts rapping it, which is, you know, you, you never imagine that any artist, whoever, Olivia Rodrigo or any of these people that you see put out there, uh, you never imagine uh, their parents being so involved. And I can't believe that most of their parents are involved. And if they are, it's for the wrong reasons, you know, it's for fame and success and kind of mm. building their own thing on the back of it. Whereas you got the idea with Donda, she, she didn't care at all about the materialistic or the the glory of it. She was just proud of her son and proud of what she had helped nurture. Yeah, I think, again, the documentary shows his reaction to her death um, and really shows how it hits him. He mentions in one concert, uh, people are telling me to go home and uh, rest or go home and recuperate. Uh, And he says, go home to what? I have nothing to go home to. I need to be doing this because this is keeping me sane. So really, even though he was grieving at that time, he was still putting out music. He was still working because he didn't know how to do anything else. And I think that's a drive that his mother instilled in, in him as well at a young age. So really this documentary you get a full scope of who his influences were who motivates him what motivates him and really you understand a bit better after watching this documentary why he has such a big bravado why he talks 
um, like he's God's mm-hmm. gift to earth and music because for so long people were knocking him down and kind of belittling his contribution to hip hop as a producer and he had to be loud and proud to kind of get people's attention and take it Yes, and you see it, even there's this party uh, where Jay-Z hosts, or it's some kind of uh, basically big rap do in New York, and it's before Kanye has really burst onto the scene as a rapper. He's still just a background guy. And you see this parade of basically people who are uh, being greeted by Jay-Z as he swaggers in as the top don in New York, essentially. Mm. And Kanye is nothing. He's just a, a face in the crowd. And to imagine these people, again, who are just so big and, you know, it would be hard to believe that Kanye could go anywhere. Uh, You know, even when he was in a cinema in Limerick, that became front page news. I don't believe he can go many places on this this, uh, earth where he is not recognized. But there was a period of time, of course, where he was just a, a face in the crowd. And I think it's fascinating. The other part of the documentary, of course, Kyle, is the fact that there is no talking heads. Mm. So generally with a documentary, yeah. you see um, clips, you know, old footage, for example, what they use in this documentary. But then they would cut to different people, modern day, giving their take on whatever Kanye, you know, growing up 20 years ago. And often those, in my opinion, are quite inaccurate because you're relying on someone's memory. And the the memory, you know, they'll say things like, I always knew he was going to be a star. But really what the footage, at least in this instance, shows is not many people knew he was going to be a star. You have some narration from Cuddy, but I think it is really interesting that they take this approach and neglect the talking head traditional documentary style. Yeah, uh, like you mentioned, that's one kind of trope they lean on in documentaries like this. It was an interesting tack to take. And I think reasons I did turn off or switch off during this documentary is because as an avid documentary watcher, I would be used to that trope. And in those moments where they normally have them, I did glance down at my phone and maybe skip a conversation that I thought wasn't uh, mm. conducive or important to the storyline. But overall, without these talking heads, it's a, it's a great um, documentary and it's well produced and there's a lot uh, that goes into it. It's interesting that you have Cuddy who has been with Kanye since the beginning and he's just been constantly recording this man over multiple years and like you said it's because he says it multiple times in the first episode this is the moment i thought kanye could make it as a famous rapper or this is the moment i knew he had something special and i think really i I actually reviewed this on crc this week um on the grapevine uh, in crc and i talked about how there's different reasons why documentaries like this are brought out there's all there's one reason is for obviously good press if someone's producing an album or bringing it out and trying to get people obsessed with them again uh that's a good reason uh, for publicity sake but i think the whole reason this documentary was released was because it had to be um this man cuddy has several years of footage that needed to be released because it just shows you the real person behind 
the musician and it shows you who Kanye West is when he's not conscious of putting on this performance as an as an imitation of who he Mm. really is i'm smiling there because you mentioned that you reviewed it on crc and i'm definitely interested in how that went down but i was i I found myself replaying the clip as i was editing the show during the week uh replaying the clip where you say about aiden the host on crc you say the host uh, doesn't agree with animation and i thought it was such a hilarious stance uh, very aiden but it's a hilarious stance to take to just flat out refuse with an entire genre of filmmaking you know one of the most technically advanced to just completely not agree with it i thought is hilarious so i'm interested to know what he thought about genius uh yeah i can give you a little snippet uh I think he thought it was an interesting take. You know, I think he's a fan of documentaries rather than animation or certain movies uh, he'll gravitate towards. I think he's more interested in hard-hitting documentaries and hard-hitting dramas. But I am doing my best to open his mind to different avenues did of Did he watch it? And like you said, did he watch Genius? No. I don't think J- so. Just no. for, for the audience at home, yeah. uh, Aiden would be a slightly elder gentleman uh, so yeah. rap and especially uh, as a community radio station rap would not be uh, front and center it would be you know stop the world no. and let me off type stuff um, yeah so yeah. I mean great all around what did you make can we get a final score from genius um, I'd give it a 3, 3.5 out of 5 just because I simply turned off at some stages and Near the latter half of the last episode, I would have loved some acknowledgement from Kanye to the camera. And I think, obviously, because Cuddy is behind the scenes in that last episode, because he's so busy. Really, I think everyone who's aware of Kanye now is aware of what he's going through and or has some idea. So it would be nice for him to sit down and say to the camera or like have a conversation with Cuddy as the cameraman here's what's going on in my life, here's what's happening, here's how I feel. You do get snippets of that in the last episode, but it would uh, be nice to get one final talking head um, just to um, sum up the last episode. Yes, it's a bit of a needle in the haystack in the third episode to Mm. find the real Kanye, and you're really scratching for glimpses, and he's um, off in South America um, launching a presidential campaign and it, it's all very hectic and you're, you're, you're hoping, I suppose, just as a, as a person who has been perhaps raised on right and wrong and, you know, uh, the, the verses of the scripture and all of that kind of stuff, the Western ideology that, you know, a, a story has a beginning, middle and end and the end is always nice. The, the Prince Charming gets Cinderella or whatever it is. And you're hoping for an acknowledgement, as you say, by Kanye to acknowledge the last, you know, the craziness and maybe put it behind him, but certainly give give us a, a bit better of a portrayal than he does in, in episode three, because in episodes one, uh, especially episode one, but even episode two, you get such an honest portrayal. And I suppose it kind of betrays its own brand by episode three but that's our thoughts please do uh, let let the show know email myself jack at the jack or leave a comment or however you would like to do that finally kyle coming up this week you will be watching boyhood 
Boyhood is a 2014 Boyhood, okay. Richard Linklater film. In my opinion, it is probably the best piece of content that has been produced, certainly best modern film, um, say in the last 20 years. I, I like things like The Dark Knight Rises. They're very enjoyable. But to me, this is pure perfection. Have you seen it before? I haven't seen it before, but I do know that it was one of those innovative movies that was shot over several years to get a glimpse of how someone can grow up and the struggles Bingo, they go yes. Through. So we follow the life of Mason from early childhood to his arrival at college. And it follows relatively a normal structure in life, of course. It's a film, so they have to dramatize certain moments. But ultimately, as you say, the unique part of this film is that when the script was written, whatever it was, I suppose, 20 years ago at this point, what Richard Linklater decided to do was get the same cast of characters to meet up every summer and film the next progression of scenes. So you saw uh, Mason, the child, go from, uh, you know, whatever, three or four years of age to 17 or 18. And you saw that in in roughly real time, whereas usually they cast maybe three or four different people to portray, you know, childhood, adulthood and death or however they want to portray aging on screen. They use multiple people. So in my opinion, it's well worth a watch. It's two hours and 45 minutes. So it's um, it's a bit of a long one, but, you know, a studio has faith in it when they allow two hours and 45 to be released now. Kyle, what am I? What what do I have coming up? What are you torturing me to this week? Okay, I'm slowly but surely finding out what kind of documentary. Does it have a budget of, of over ten like, million? So I'm because I'm getting sick of these. Like, uh, it's one bloke in Leitrim, and he's produced it by himself. <laughs> no, I'm going to give you a documentary uh, to watch, um, documentary series to watch this week. Um, you might not get through all the episodes obviously they're very <laughs> or more than 12 um, minutes are very long um, it's OJ Made in America which is available up on Disney Plus uh, and other platforms to stream um, it has 100% of Rotten Tomatoes right now 8.9 out of 10 on IMDb people seem to really love it I've watched it myself personally with my fiance and it shows you the whole rise to fame of OJ Simpson the dynamic he had with the media the dynamic he had with um his own people being an african-american athlete and the loyalties he had in show business as well as the relationship and the breakdown of his marriage have you seen him on Nicole twitter Brown recently Simpson. it's hilarious i oh <laughs> i i get a few clips every now and then but i was thinking how deluded can you be and he's there like he gives his opinion mainly on on football uh, and he's playing golf a lot but yeah. he started venturing into politics and like calling people oh, liars and all this stuff and the hypocrisy you know yeah. by 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 uh, some courts of law he is innocent by others in civil in a civil case in 2005 he was found guilty he did yeah. also release a book called if i done it so yeah you know if I did it, yeah. the the oh, you know uh, casting doubt on this man i don't think is against any kind of legal standard because he routinely does it upon himself but you know then people started creating these fake oj accounts by changing one or two letters and they looked like the real one but they were basically you know tweeting these things about how they killed the uh his ex-wife and all this stuff oh, in God. in the character of oj he is 
Um, He's just a ludicrous character. I think too yeah. many knocks to the head in the NFL probably en- ended up that really. And uh, this documentary does put across his character and the, really the breakdown of how he became who he is now. It has the trial in the documentary. It has the famous car chase on the highway. As well as that, it shows you what he does to scratch and claw away at fame after the OJ famous trial. So really, I'm excited to see what well, Kyle, this documentary. I'm very excited to get into that one. It sounds a little bit better than a bloke farting his way to freedom. Thanks. <laughs> Don't sum it up like that because that's not the movie and you need to actually just watch this whole thing so we can actually talk about it properly. Thanks as always no, um, to Kyle. Yeah, Kyle, you can listen to uh, Kyle's podcast. He hosts it. It's roughly weekly, but sometimes there's two episodes a week. It's called yeah. uh, Finding Yourself. It's available on Spotify, Apple and all good podcast platforms. Thanks, Kyle, as always. Well, that's it, folks. Genuinely, as always, it's been a pleasure to have you on board for the last while. Uh, obviously, thank, big thanks to Kyle. Kyle, we have sent off now into the horizon to go and see if he can perhaps come up with a recommendation that is watchable. We'll see. We'll see. It's, it might be a tall task for Kyle, but great guy. And, and don't forget to, to check out his podcast, Finding Yourself by Kyle Duffy. Very good listen. Anyway, we will be back here next week, fingers crossed, with uh, an interview or two as well, maybe under our belts. Obviously, I'm going to say that Phil, the tattoo guy, is probably out, but we'll see what we can do. Until then, have a great week.